we're going to start a new series this week in the book of Second Peter. And so if you've been around the 710 community for a while, we've, we actually taught through First Peter. It was probably three or four years ago. And, um, and so that's why we're doing Second Peter. And uh, I, I've actually loved Second Peter because um, I feel like it's one of those books in the Bible. It's like, you know, it's kind of towards the back of your Bible. It's a smaller book. You know, you don't really maybe spend that much time back there. And I personally, I've loved this book. And I've loved this book for a ton of reasons. Actually, the passage that I get to teach on tonight is like my favorite passage in, uh, in, in, in actually, it might be my favorite passage in the New Testament, so I'm super excited to talk to you about it. But um, I've always loved Peter specifically because um, he was somebody who like literally lived, walked, and like talked with Jesus. And I think sometimes if you're kind of maybe raised in like a, a churchy environment, just like you, you don't really give much thought to the significance of things. And uh, like, like Peter, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, so like for three years, he was like super close with this guy. So if you, I don't know if you've ever had a friend who's like met somebody that you, like you really respected or, or has met somebody super famous, and, uh, like, and they had an experience with, with this guy, and, or guy or gal, and when you hear stories about them, you just want to hear what they have to say about this person because their experience with them is something that you, like it's a window into what they're like. And so when these like, church communities that Peter was writing to, when he wrote this letter, it would have been the, like, the equivalent of like, man, like, this guy literally like, lived, walked, and talked with God for three years. So I can just imagine all the stories of like, so what was Jesus like? You know, like, um, like, Jesus, like Peter, he literally, he got rebuked by Jesus. He, I'm sure he laughed with Jesus. Jesus probably played jokes on him. He would have known Jesus' eye color, his hairstyle, you know. And uh, like he had just this close, intimate relationship with Jesus, and, and then he writes this letter, and uh, what, this is what's happening. So Peter's at the end of his life. He's in prison, and he's about to face execution. And uh, he has one last shot at writing a letter to all the church communities that he already had like, kind of set up and founded. And uh, that's why we're calling the series Remember. It's it, he's he's, he's going to speak to these, communi- these communities, and he's going to go, listen, before I leave, before I go and be with Jesus, be with our king, here are the things I want you to remember. So we're going to spend like five weeks uh, in this series, and each week is a different thing to remember, and it's just going to be, it's just going to be a ton of fun. So um, as we jump in, let's just pray and ask just God to reveal more of himself to us, and, and then we'll get into it. Lord, we love you so much, and we're just so grateful for uh, this community. God, we're grateful for the gospel, the good news that Jesus is king and he's savior and God we thank you that you have saved us and that you have made us one together we thank you that uh, you have forgiven our sins we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ and we thank you for the joy that you've given us um, just in the gospel so Lord tonight just as we open your word I just pray that we would be shaped by um, by what Peter has to say on your behalf and uh, I just pray that the community of 710 would just grow in love for you and I pray that we'd also grow in our love for each other and our love for the world um, at the end of this five weeks. So we ask this in the name of Jesus, and it's in your name we pray this, Lord. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Second Peter. It's after First Peter. And uh, so we're going to be working through the first 11 verses of this book tonight. And uh, to kind of give you an outline, so I'm going to read the first um, two verses. The first two verses are kind of like, it's Peter's like greeting and introduction to the churches that he's been writing. And then he's going to transition into the first thing that he wants these church communities to remember. 
before he uh, before he leaves. So First um, Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter, the first two verses. Let me read them for us really quick. Uh, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I love, uh, I feel like sometimes when we read like readings like this in the Bible, like we just completely skim over it because it's just kind of like, okay, the, you know, Peter has to say something before he jumps into his first topic. But it's very, like Peter's being very intentional, intentional here with the things that he wants to talk about. Um, and there's, there's two things he's trying to accomplish. He really wants to identify who he is, and then he wants to identify the people that he's writing to. And so look how Peter identifies himself. He says, Simon Peter, I'm a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, this is what Peter's trying to do. He's trying to identify himself, who, identify himself as somebody who's under the authority of Jesus. And, and see, he calls himself a servant, which some translations translate that as like a slave. And then he, uh, he identifies himself as an apostle, which means just like it's an official representative of Jesus Christ, which means anointed king. And so he says, listen, I'm, right off the bat, he goes, I want you to know that I'm not writing to you just because I feel like writing about Jesus. He's like, I'm writing to you as somebody who is a slave and somebody who is representing Jesus to you. And so it's this picture of kind of like, here's an illustration that might make it um, helpful. It, when, when my brother and I were like kind of playing outside, you know, when we were younger out front, throwing rocks at the neighbor's houses, you know, all boys do, we were, we were out there, and if my brother came outside and he said, hey, listen, it's time to go inside, I'd be like, you know, I'm not going to listen to you because you're my younger brother and you have no authority in my life. But if Casey ever came outside and said, hey, listen, dad says it's time to come inside, I listen because I know if you don't listen to dad, bad things will happen. So Casey, in that moment, he's representing my father to me in the same way. That's what Peter's trying to communicate. He's, listen, I'm coming to you and I'm representing your king to you. This picture of like a king speaking to his people. And then he moves on. He identifies himself as somebody who's speaking on behalf of, of Jesus and then he says, listen, um, I'm writing to those of you who have received a faith and to those of you who have received grace and peace through Jesus. And what's really significant about this, I don't know if you caught it, but what Peter's trying to do, what Peter's trying to do here, he's saying, listen, listen, I want to tell you who you are and what you have in Christ before I ask you to do anything. Like before you do anything, I want, you, I want to affirm who you are and what you have in Christ before I ask you to do a, 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 like a single thing. And what's so significant about that is, is like, listen, that's what's so beautiful about the Christian faith. Like every other religion is like, hey, here's a list of things that you have to do to receive a name for yourself or to receive the grace of God. But Christianity is saying, listen, you've already received faith. Peter is giving them a foundation. Like This faith is what you stand on. Like You've been bought by Jesus. You've been given a faith, a faith that's precious. Uh, it's through the righteousness of Christ, which means like through the perfection of Christ and through the faithfulness of Christ. He has given you something to stand on. And then he says, and you have grace and peace in yours in abundance. He's saying, listen, this grace and peace that I've given you it, like, it, what, what is it, what's significant about that is because it provides security for your life. Like, everybody, everybody in their life is on a quest for grace and peace. And, and the reason grace gives you rest as you live and it gives you peace is because it gives you freedom to follow Jesus with the ability to make mistakes. <laughs> 
It's like I can follow Jesus and there's freedom because there's grace for failure in my life and I can follow Jesus because there's peace, which means like there's nothing to prove, there's nothing to earn. I can just rest in what Christ has done for me and he says it's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So you don't find grace and peace apart from Jesus and your knowledge of him. And so what Peter's trying to say is, listen, this is who you are and this is what you have right off the bat. And so now Peter, this is what he can do. He's gonna, he, he just he set this foundation. He, he reminds them of who they are. He reminds them of who he's speaking on behalf of. And now he's going to transition to the first thing that uh, he wants the, these, communities of follow, these communities and followers of Jesus to remember. And it's, and it's this. It's to remember to grow and develop. So if you're titling the message tonight, it's to remember to grow and develop. Peter's saying, listen, as I leave, I want you to know and I want you to remember to grow in your faith. And uh, before I even actually want to preach on any of, uh, of this and what Peter has to say, I have a question that I actually want to have you guys talk about around your tables. And so I'll put the question on the screen. And here's the question. So as you pursue spiritual growth, what are the frustrations uh, or challenges you experience? So very simple. You don't have to, you know, gut your life story. But just really simple. Like, as you pursue spiritual growth, what are the frustrations or challenges challenges you experience. So I'll give you guys a couple of minutes and then uh, we'll come back and we'll see what Peter has to say. So go ahead. Alrighty. You guys can bring it in. You guys can bring it in. I didn't realize my mic was on when I was talking to these guys. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was me agreeing with all of you guys. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, one of the uh, it would be interesting if you guys afterwards just maybe even revisit some of those conversations after what we talk about tonight. But uh, one of the things that I feel like personally that I, I have run into a lot is uh, sometimes I just feel like spiritual growth is impossible, <laughs> you know? Just like uh, God asked me to do something and like the very thing that he asked me to do, like I actually uh, don't have the ability to do it, you know? And uh, I was talking about this with my wife, Crystal, who is actually playing on the keys tonight. That's my wife. She's amazing. <laughs> um, but we were just talking about how sometimes it feels like, like it's too hard to sustain, you know? Just like I, there might be like two good days and then like something that happens on a Wednesday and then the rest of my week is shot. And just like it feels like this never-ending, like unsustainable project that God has given us, you know? And uh, let's just jump into the first... Uh, uh, two verses of uh, Peter, well, verses three and four, but the first two verses of kind of this topic. And look what Peter says. He says, his divine power, and he's referring to Jesus, Jesus's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it says this, through these, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. <clears throat> See, one of the first, this is, this is actually why I, I absolutely love this passage, because one of the first things that Peter wants to communicate, how to kind of like summarize these verses, is that God has, he's already given us everything we need for all that he is calling us to become. And I'll say that again, it, it's worth writing down, that God has already given you everything that you need for all that he is calling you to become. And like in this section, it, I love it so much because it reveals the goal of spiritual growth. And look at the goal of spiritual growth. It, it said two ways in verse three and in verse four. It says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And then in verse four, it says, 
through these, he has given us these very great and precious promises so that through them, right here, I want you to focus on this, that you may participate in the divine nature. See, I love this so much because what Peter is saying is, listen, God's motivation, the goal for spiritual growth is to participate in God's own life and love. Like, divine nature is just like a way of saying, like, God's own life. And I, I think sometimes, and you can tell me if you have this experience too, I have it all the time, that I have this view of God that, like, you know, his, his assignment to me and his call on me to grow spiritually is just like, he's like an angry, bo- angry boss or like a coach who is like, unless you're performing at your highest level, you will never satisfy him, you know? Like, you view God, and then, what, and then you know this, it makes your, your, like, experience of seeking growth really frustrating, because just like, man, I'm trying, and I just, I just feel like God is just annoyed and frustrated, you know? And, there's a, and here's what Peter is trying to communicate, <clears throat> that spiritual growth, it's something that God wants for you, not something that he wants from you. It's something that he wants for you, it's not something that he wants from you. Paul in Colossians, uh, Colossians 3 verse 10, he says it a different way, but it just shows that we're all, the, the, the writers of the Bible are in agreement of the goal of spiritual growth. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. <clears throat> and I just love that so much because what Peter's saying, listen, the goal, God's goal, his motivation behind spiritual growth is so that you can become like him and to share in his own life. You know, just like, God, I just, I just want you to experience the beauty of who I am and what I created you to be. That's, that's why. That's, that's the whole point. That's the goal. And, and, and the next thing that Peter shows us in this letter, in these verses, is that the, he, he reveals to us the source of spiritual growth. So the, the, what God is calling you to become is to participate in his own life, but the source of spiritual growth is found in verse 3. And look what it says. It says, his, what, divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So God has given us divine power to experience his divine nature. Like, think about that for a second. Divine power to experience his divine nature. And, and, and this, is, this is something that I think that it's very easy just to read words on a page, you know, like, okay, God's given me his power, helps me come like him. But, but, but Peter would say, hey, slow down and think about the significance of that for a second. Like, it's, it's not impossible to grow because God has given you, like, his own power. Like, the power that created the universe, the power that created you into existence, the power that sustained, sustained Jesus in his life, the power that's sustaining, like, everything that is around us right now, the power that's going to bring in the kingdom of God, this power lives in you. You know, it lives in you. It's yours. You have access to it. And if, if, if you're like me, you might go, well, if that's the case, why do I experience, why do I feel like my experience is, I actually feel like I'm experiencing the power of sin more than I'm experiencing the power of God in my life, you know? Like one of the conversations that we had at our table up here was like, I just feel like when I really try to grow spiritually, like the exact opposite thing <laughs> happens. Like I actually experience a different power, it feels like, you know? And, and I think it's because what Peter would say in this letter is that maybe you're not actually um, participating in the means that gives you access to that power. Look what he says in, in verse 3 and 4 as well. And, and the key word is through. So his divine power has given us everything we need for our godliness. And, uh, and it says through uh, our knowledge of him, and then in verse 4, it says that he's given us these precious promises so that through them, 
you may participate in the divine nature. So for Peter, it's very clear. The way you access God's power and the way that you gain, like, get access to a godly life, the thing that God's calling you to be, the way you, you, you like, participate in his life, is, it's through knowledge of him and through the promises of God. And we need to have a, like, a, a very like, a specific conversation about what the knowledge of God is. Because knowledge in our culture, it is, it's, it's all about like, facts and knowledge and what you know. You know, and I think in America, we've, we've turned like faith and knowledge of God into like knowing a lot about God versus like, like actually knowing him. So Peter was a Jew, which means that he grew up reading like 75% of our Bible, the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, to know someone most of the time was referred to at, uh, when two people would come together in sexual union. So like in the very beginning of the Bible, it says Adam knew his wife. It was a sexual union. And, and for Peter, so when he thinks of, like, knowledge of God, he's saying, listen, the, the knowledge that gains you access to his power, that just opens up power for your life to grow and to, be, to become and experience the beauty of God is, that, is your, your deep, intimate relationship with him. Like, a deep, intimate relationship with him. A sexual union, it's the, it's the closest, most vulnerable experience in relationship that you could ever have with somebody that God created and Peter's saying, listen, that type of relationship, that level of intimacy, that level of honesty is where you, where you gain power, and it's how you know your creator. And then it's in that relationship that, that, you, that you just claim the promises of God, like the promises that in the Old Testament that God's going to establish his kingdom on earth and that he's going to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit on the world and in his people so that he would make his people walk in his ways, like just holding on to these promises in this deep, intimate relationship is where you gain the power to experience the life and joy of God. And I want you to look at the result. The result of spiritual growth is found in verse 4, where it says that, uh, that through them, through these promises, that you may participate in God's own life, a divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. <clears throat> I love that uh, Peter describes sin as corruption because I feel like a lot of times our our concept of sin is like, here's a list of bad things that makes uh, God really mad, and if I do them, he gets pissed. And here's a list of good things uh, that God wants me to do, and if I do those things, he gets happy. You know, and what Peter's saying, he's saying, listen, he's like, sin, it, it's not just doing something bad, but it's actually something that, like, it corrupts who you were made to be. Like, I think of, like, spoiled food. You know, like, food is good, it's supposed to nourish you, it's supposed to, like, you know, it, it just, it tastes good, but when it's spoiled, like, it goes completely bad, and it tastes bad, and it makes you sick, you know, and, and what Peter wants to communicate is, is kind of like getting at the idea of the image of God, like, there's the very beginning, you were created, and even if you're not a, if you're not a Christian in the room, this is something I would say to you, you were created to reflect the character of God, and you were, you were created to experience the life of God. And sin isn't just God trying to rob you of joy. <laughs> sin isn't just trying, is God, like, is he not trying to, like, rob you of happiness? Sin is literally, like, it's corruption, like, it's decay. That's why, and as Christians, you know this, that, like, sin, it can offer, like, immediate gratification, but, like, afterwards, it just, like, if, what does it feel like? <laughs> it feels like death, you know? It feels like decay, because sin is corruption, and what Peter's saying is, like, listen, I've given you power to escape the corruption, and, and then he moves on to the next point that he wants to make about spiritual growth in verses 5 through 7. And it's this, that spiritual growth requires effort, and it's not a passive experience. 
Now you may go, that's super obvious. But um, I, I don't think it's as obvious as um, we might make it to be. Um, I've had this thought, you know like kind of the, the, the phrase, let go and let God, or if you've been like maybe talking to somebody that, you know, is close, a close friend of yours, and you're like, I'm just waiting on, on God to change me, you know? And, uh, but Peter would say, look what he already said. He's like, God has already given you everything that you need, you know? And, and so look what he says, verse 5 through 7, he says this, for this very reason, so that's very clear, for everything that he just said, because God has given you the power for spiritual growth, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Um, I, think, I think sometimes we, uh, we, we like I said, we, we just talk about spiritual growth as if it's something that, like, it's just this random list of things to do. But we already said, spiritual growth, what God wants you to become is somebody who participates in his own life. And so what Peter's trying to do here, he's saying, listen, participating in God's own life, I want to give you a, like, what it looks like. And this is what it looks like. It looks like faith and goodness and knowledge and, and self-control and perseverance and, and perseverance, godliness and godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Um, if you, uh, let's, so... Uh, goodness, let me just talk about goodness. Goodness is, and I'll, I'm going to work through these fast for the sake of time, but goodness, it, it's, it's living a life worthy of praise, uh, doing the right thing regardless of the outcome. So it's like when people look at your life, like it's, it's a life that is praiseworthy. You know, when people looked at, that's why I, like when you look at Jesus's life, even people who aren't Christians, they look at his life and they're like, it's a praiseworthy life, even if I don't believe what he said about himself. Like, so goodness, living the, the, the right way regardless of the outcome. Knowledge, uh, it's the ability to discern God's will and orient our lives around his will. So it's the ability to discern God's will and then orient your life around that will. And so that comes through prayer. Uh, and it, like, like I said, a deep, intimate relationship with God, praying with other Christians. It comes through scripture, immersing yourself in what God's will actually is. It comes in uh, community, like working out. That's why we have small group environments like our RCs so that you can work out what does it look like for us as young adults to follow Jesus. Grow in your knowledge. That's something what he wants you to do. Self-control. Self-control is the ability to control ourselves through the, Holy, through the Holy Spirit by saying no to the ungodly passions that control our lives. And a lot of times we think of self-control and we immediately tie it to sexual desires, you know? But no, it's like the same for food. It's like, you know, like your food intake. Are you self-controlled in that? Are you self-controlled in technology? You know, or do you spend a life being consumed and controlled by technology? Or are you able to uh, express self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit and technology? Perseverance is uh, it's, it's a relentless and consistent pursuit of doing what is right for the long haul. You know, and we talked about, um, one of the things I, I talked about was how spiritual growth is hard to sustain, you know? And, and perseverance is the idea, like you can grow in perseverance. God doesn't expect that he's gonna save you and in the rest of your life, you never have a problem, you know? <clears throat> but what, what Peter is saying is, listen, is like perseverance is like, I know what's right and I'm gonna like press on to follow Jesus. And when I, when I take a detour, you know, and when I like chase sin for a season, it's like I'm gonna get back on the road and I'm gonna keep going. It's like a perseverance, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep doing what's right. I'm gonna keep following the Lord. And godliness, godliness is the next thing Peter says. And godliness, 
It's living a life of complete devotion to God above everything else. So in a culture that's devoted to everything else but God, our community, a community of Jesus followers, is supposed to be a, a community that is devoted above, uh, to God above everything else. And then he says mutual affection. Mutual affection is really simple. Like some translations talk about it as brotherly affection, but it's learning to treat each other like family. And so what Jesus is saying is like, listen, you want to know if my life and love and if, if like you as a community are participating in my nature, is like when you gather, do you treat each other like family, you know? And a really practical step I would even give us as a 710 community is it's hard to treat people like family that you don't know their names. So start by learning people's names and just learn to, to love each other like brothers and sisters. <clears throat> and the last thing that Peter ends with, and it's so fitting, is that he ends with love. And if the goal of spiritual growth is to participate in the divine nature, to participate in who God is, it makes sense that when First John says that God is love, that the last thing that Peter would say that he wants us to pursue and make every effort to pursue because of the grace of God is love. Because love, it, 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 just, it completely marks everything that, that God wants his people to do. Love God and love your neighbor. And uh, in our culture where love is tied to feelings, it's very different in the Bible. Love, is a, it's a willful decision to put other people's needs ahead, ahead of your own regardless of how you feel. And I wouldn't even just say needs, needs and preferences. Like other people are more important than me. And, and that's, ex that's exactly what Jesus' love looks like. So that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, this is, this is the life. It's not like some mystical, like spiritual growth, like some mystical experience where like have all these like, you know, he's like, no, just like it's really practical. <laughs> it looks like love. And that's what participating in my life looks like. And then Peter moves on from here, and he's going to move in to, like, he just said these beautiful promise, this, this invitational kind of picture of what God is calling us to, and then he moves into these warnings in verses 8 through 9, and this is what he says. So he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Now, this, this, these verses actually made me really uncomfortable when I first read it because we just, let's just be honest, we don't like the idea of thinking about ourselves as like ineffective and unfruitful and unproductive. But like this is, this is a, hum, it's like a humbling warning that like there is a reality that as Christians, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we can be unproductive for Jesus and his purposes in the world. And what Peter's, what he's not saying here is that you go from like a place of like being productive to a place that's neutral. Um, he's actually saying the exact opposite, that you're either pursuing the life of God or you're pursuing the, the life of like the enemy, you know, of selfishness. And I kind of used this illustration um, with my team earlier that it, it's kind of like if you're at the ocean and you're out and you're swimming in the water and uh, your family's on shore or whoever you're hanging out with and, and you don't pay attention and you don't, you don't make sure that you stay in front of the ocean, what happens? You don't know this experience of the ocean. If you don't pay attention, after a couple of minutes, you just drift down, and you keep drifting, you keep drifting, and next thing you know, your family is like a mile down the beach, you know? And one of the, this is what Peter's saying. is like floaters, they don't stay in the same place. Floaters do, do not stay in the same place. The, the evil desires that run this world, they, just, they will just take you. He's like, so he's like, listen, Keep these, keep these qualities in front of you. 
And, and he also notices, I don't know if you saw this, but that, that uh, whoever lacks them is nearsighted and blind. And, and the question is, blind to what? And I think there's two things. The first one he says in the verse is that, uh, that you forget that you've been cleansed from your past sins. You're blind towards your past. You look to the past and you're blind to like, what the power of the cross actually did for you. Like You forget that the grace of God and forgiveness of your life is actually power to, to grow and to live. And I think what he's also saying is you're blind towards the future, the promises of God that we talked about in the beginning. So you look to the past, and there's blurry vision, and you look forward, and there's blurry vision. Like, the Bible talks about sin being something that blinds you. And what Peter's saying is, like, listen, don't, don't be content with being lazy. Make every effort. Don't become blind. Remember what the power of the cross did for you. Remember what the promises of God. Keep, keep pursuing the Lord. And then he ends his whole thing, and we're, we're going we're gonna to touch down here. And um, you may go, okay, this is great. Like, uh, I, I just love the idea that, that God, you know, his goal and his call in my life is just to participate in his own life and to what he wants me to become is somebody of love who experiences him. But you may go, like, why does it ultimately matter? <laughs> like, who cares? Like, at the end of the day, who cares if I grow spiritually? And, and this is what Peter would say is that spiritual growth is required to enter the kingdom of God. And I'll say that one more time. Spiritual growth is required to enter the kingdom of God. Look at verses 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort, so there's that phrase again, to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, so what happens if we do these things, if we grow and develop? You will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when I first read verse 10, I, did, I had no idea what to do with it. I was in the, the office of Connor. I was like, I don't even know. Like, that's just really intimidating. Make every effort to confirm or prove my calling and election. Like, what is, what's the deal with that? And this is what Peter wants to, to communicate, <clears throat> is that just because you confess something with your mouth doesn't mean that you actually believe it, you know? There's this phrase that uh, how you live shows what you love. And I think this is something uh, Peter would say is, listen, you don't have to tell me what you believe. You don't have to tell me what you believe because your, your life will show me ultimately what your heart truly believes. And there's just this reality, and it's like an uncomfortable tension in the Bible. And it's a good tension because it's loving. Uh, that it's, it's never... It's never um, you should never be comfortable sitting in your sin. And like, kind of like an attitude of like God's grace, it doesn't matter, I can just keep doing these things. I can keep kind of like participating in the works of evil rather than like striving forward to participating with God. As Peter would say, he's like, listen, you're not trying to like earn salvation. That's not the point of this passage. He's saying, I, I just want you to like look at, your, look at your life and is your faith real or is your faith fake? And so he said, make every effort, make every effort, keep striving, prove that you really are somebody who is striving for the life of God, who's someone who has been changed by the gospel, you know? Like, Christ, Christ does not just forgive people and then leave them there and abandon them. Christ changes, he saves people and he changes them. It doesn't mean perfection. does not mean perfection, but it does mean change. And then, and then Peter moves on and says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And he says, then and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I love that Peter ends here, and it's been one of like the promises of God that we were praying over in our prayer time this morning, that 
like for those of us, like there's actually a day when Jesus is going to return. It's just like it's hard in our culture. Like we just we just don't think about it that much, and oftentimes like the return of Jesus is tied to like all this, like a cop, like um, just like this end of the world. Everything's going to be crazy and it's going to be nuts. And what Peter was saying is like the the end of time, the end of the biblical story, <laughs> the end of everything, is that Jesus is going to come. <clears throat> He's going to set the world right, and he's going to come, and he's going to, um, he's going to make this world beautiful again. And he's, going to, and he's going to rule this world forever as king with his people. And, and he's saying, listen, for those of you who I've bought, who I've given a faith, who I've given the power to grow, who have, who have like, expressed in their, in their lives that they love the Lord, like, they're striving. Like, they're not perfect, but I'm striving towards you, Jesus. I love you, so, I love you Jesus, and I want to be like you. I'm, I want that. I hate my sin. There's just this picture of Jesus. I just love it. It was just like, like smiling, just like welcoming his children into his kingdom. Just like say, come, good and faithful servant. And, and I wrestle with this picture oftentimes of like God as he's just somebody who is like, he has to put up with me. <laughs> you know, like he just, he kind of has to put up with me. And like, uh, it's like, I guess I paid for his sins, so you should probably let him in. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's not the picture. Like, there's just this beautiful picture that like, Jesus, he's going to like joyfully welcome you home. And for you tonight, like, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. I don't want you to hear a message like this and, be, and like be discouraged that like the love of God isn't there for you. But there's this hope that there is grace, right, and peace that God has already purchased you. Through the righteousness of Christ, you are covered and forgiven. And that is total freedom to grow and not have to, like, try to earn something from God. And at the end of your life, <clears throat> you're going to be with the Lord, and he's going to richly welcome you home. And it's just going to be a beautiful day with all of us. And we're finally, we'll see our Savior as, as Peter did. He lived, walked, and talked with Jesus. And there's going to be a day where we live, live, walk, and talk with Jesus in a way that's just going to be so beautiful. <clears throat> so let's just pray and uh, just ask God to... Um, work in us. God, thank you so much for your love for us, and Lord, um, I thank you for the hope that, um, that through Christ and through the Holy Spirit that you have already given us everything we need for a godly life. God, everything that we need to participate in who you are, you've given to us, and so we just say thank you. God, we we confess the areas of our lives that we haven't made every effort to grow. And uh, God, we confess the areas of our lives that we've been lazy in our pursuit of you. And uh, God, we even confess, I confess, um, just this, this false view of you, uh, that you are a God who is always frustrated and, and angry. Uh, but God, we just embrace the fact that your motivation and your, um, your joy is to give your own life uh, to your kids so that they can experience utmost joy. So God, we, just, we express thankfulness. We pray that you'd make this community of 710 in a, into a community that loves one another and, uh, and that at the name of Jesus, uh, we would all celebrate and sing with joy. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. <clears throat> um, we're gonna enter into one more time of prayer before we uh, continue in singing. And one of the reasons I think that spiritual growth and participating in God's life is so important is because Jesus has chosen us as his, as his people, and really practically, Jesus has chosen this room, this room of young adults, to represent who he is to the world. 
You know, so often I, I, there's people who don't know Jesus who come in here, and they'll say to me, like, there's something about being here. It's just the way that you love one another. You know, it's the way that you love one another that, uh, that just draws me here. And I don't even believe what you believe. And I love that is because it, it, it's evidence that there's a room full of people who are participating in God's life of love. And, and people see the beauty of it. And even if they don't know it's Jesus, we get to be like, no, it's Jesus. And so my prayer, my prayer for us, and the prayer I want us to pray around our tables is just that God would make us into a people who just reflect him to the world and that it's just winsome and attractive and it's beautiful and that this room, that this year, that there would be many new names and faces of people who, who come to experience Jesus and it starts with a taste of the life that God has given us. So let's just pray that God would make us into that people and then we'll celebrate what God has done through singing.